Pablo Picasso once said, colors follow the changes of the emotions. There's certainly a connection in humans between colors and emotions and associations, which is why color theory is so important when designing for anything. We're going to talk about using color theory and psychology in digital signage designs specifically today, though what we talk about applies to lots of different design contexts. And my guest today is Debbie DeWitt, Marketing Communications Manager for Physics. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Derek. What's happening? Colors are happening. <laughs> yes, they are. We're going to dive into the rainbow and find out what's at the bottom in today's episode of Digital Signage Done Right. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast. This is Digital Signage Done Right. Whether you're new to digital signage or a seasoned pro, this podcast gives you practical advice about systems, communications, and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt, Communications Specialist for Physics. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. Okay, so uh, there is a difference between color psychology and color theory. They're not the same thing, right? Right. Color theory kind of builds on color psychology. Color psychology is a science, uh, and it actually studies how color affects human emotions, but also human behavior. Yeah, it's, it's odd, but we do. We react to colors based on a combination of emotions, personal taste, you know, obviously culture, our upbringing. So we actually have sort of visceral reactions to certain colors because we associate them with certain things in our minds. Whereas color theory is kind of where the science of color psychology and I guess I'm going to call it more artsy type stuff kind of blend together. Basically, color theory takes color psychology and what we found out about that, and then it throws on a bunch of terminology and guidance on how to use that and blend colors and use them for more impact in design. And like things when you hear about the color wheel, or we talk about primary colors and secondary colors, that all comes out of color theory based on psychology. So today we're going to kind of skim the surface of, of what that all is and, and kind of specifically focus on uh, what digital signage designers uh, need to keep in mind. Uh, keep in mind, please, folks, uh, check the transcript and the show notes for lots and lots of external links to further resources. Yeah, we have a lot of links for more into color theory because we're going to we're going to really focus on the the emotional impact of designs and right. there's a lot more to it, a lot of terminology that you may or may want want to get into. Okay, so let's talk about uh, perceived meanings of colors first. It's a really broad spectrum. Oh, <laughs> I I see what you did there. That's very good. <laughs> Pun intended. Pun intended. Often people will say things like, you know, green is jealousy or, you know, red is anger and stuff like this. And yet certain shades and hues have different connotations as well. Right. Well, actually, those are two color theory terms you just used. And most oh. of what we're going to focus on oh, is hue. I'm so smart. You had no idea. So, yeah, hue is kind of the base color. When you say red, we all know there are a hundred different shades of red or tints. So when we talk about these colors, we're just talking about the base color. But yeah, you can absolutely shift, you know, emotions by shifting just the shade a little bit, tinting mm. it a little differently. Mm -hmm. um, so you can evoke different feelings with that. You, you were mentioning like, yeah, red is anger, green is jealousy. But, you know, I think about like take one color. Okay, so like let's take green. Now, if you think about a very light green... How does that make you feel? Relaxed, I guess. Yeah. Actually, it's it's suggested in like paint swatches that you 
paint your rooms light green if you want it to be a relaxing area. A lot of spas do this. A lot of people do it for a baby's room. Oh, I know you told me uh, some years ago that you saw something interior designers very often will paint a room's walls kind of a lighter green in order to make the space feel bigger. It's stress-free or relaxing in some way, and so we feel like there's more space to it. I mean, interior design's a whole nother science, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But um, if that's a light green, you take a hunt green. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, that you see that in a library. You think of maybe a forest. Uh, if you're a kid like me who wouldn't eat anything green, you think of spinach or Brussels sprouts, <laughs> you know, when you get into dark stuff. But now, if I say avocado green, I what think do you 19, think? 1975. Yeah? What do you think of? Uh, a refrigerator, because we had an avocado green refrigerator in the mid to late 70s. So did I. So did we all. <laughs> so did as we well all. as matching, like, flat carpet with, like, black speck. I right. Don't know. That, and then, yeah, like, or a carpet with, like, brown and orange. Yeah. Those are the other. Brown, orange, and avocado green. Exactly. So avocado, a lot of people, you just say avocado as a color, and they think of, if they're our age, they think of the 70s. Um, but so that just gives you an idea of, even though we're talking about a basic color like green, all those different shades and tints all have different psychological effects or memories associated with them. Uh, you know, I also think of, we mentioned red. Uh, red, people often go, ooh, it's the color of anger, and painters like Edvard Munch when he painted uh, the scream specifically put a particular kind of blood red in the sky because he wanted it to evoke blood and thus violence and death uh, in people's minds. And yet McDonald's learned very early on that a certain shade of red and a certain shade of yellow actually stimulate physical hunger in people, which is why they chose the shades that they did. Interesting. And that's why every other fast food like Burger Place uses red and yellow. Right. If you look around, like they're all using that. You know, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I remember years ago they brought in a, a color psychologist. Now, this is in the 80s, uh, to San Quentin Prison, which is just north of San Francisco. Uh, and they said, hey, we need to do something sort of in the common, I don't want to call it relaxing room, but room that, the, that uh, people hang out in and, and where they eat, the prisoners. We need to find a way to make people calmer because we have a lot of fights in here. So the person painted the walls pink thinking that that was a relaxing color. And violent incidents went up five times because, in fact, the shade of pink that the interior designer had chosen, in fact, stimulates aggression. Right. It's very different to put a very pale pastel pink or a magenta some right, because sort of that was the idea. Is like you know, it's a man's it's a men's prison, and they didn't want to put like rose pink because then the men would be insulted because that's a girl's color. So they did this kind of hot pink, and it actually made people crazy. You know me, I'm always like, uh, I'd want to see all the stats. What else was going on? Can you just blame the paint? Don't just blame the paint. Maybe something else happened. You it know? was lead in the water, also. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> right. correlation does not always mean causation. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of that uh, stuff is super interesting. A little beyond the scope of this particular podcast episode. Uh, Smashing magazine has a really interesting three-part series on color theory. So again, check the transcript and episode notes for uh, a link to that if you want to get more into that, you know, kind of thing. So uh, let's go through the colors. Let's just, we'll start off at one end of the spectrum with red. Red's a really bold, strong color. It always gets attention, but this is one where I think the context definitely determines positive or negative effect, and very much culturally as well. Sure. A lot of people think that uh, the reason that 
all humans notice red is because it's the color that blood turns when it uh, hits oxygen. When blood oxidizes, it turns red. So if you see bright red, you know, 200,000 years ago, that's probably blood. And so, oh, I better pay attention. Interesting. Obviously, people also associate it because of bl- with blood. They associate it with violence and thus uh, conflict and warfare. They also consider uh, fire as well. And yet also notice it's about love and passion as well. Again, I think because the heart is the thing that pumps the blood through the body. Right. But then we socialize it and normalize it with Valentine's Day and things like that and, right. and, and cute images. And so when I look at a Valentine's Day heart, I don't see blood. You know, I think love, I think, you know, it makes you happy. So unless you're a fan of the group, my bloody Valentine. Okay. I'm going to stick with happy. (laughs) It makes you happy. You know, so again, that's like something that actually comes from a somewhat similar source or maybe Mm. a singular source, but has now two very different emotional connotations. Mm -hmm. But then we also have, uh, anger because people's faces turn red. I blame cartoonists. No one actually turns red. Oh, well, it depends. It's more of a pink. (laughs) Uh, But also danger, right? Uh, Or or stop or don't do it. Red light at a traffic signal or semaphore. Uh, Red stop sign. Yeah. Uh, The red light for the warning. Beep, beep, beep. You know, the bomb that for some reason the evil mastermind has set up with a countdown clock conveniently. Uh, And, you know, very often it's... uh, there's a red light there and people go, oh, it's danger. I'm going to bring it back to digital signs for a second, but a lot of people use red for alert messages and things like that because, you know, hopefully I will say you've already trained everybody that when you see a full screen red message, it means an alert and and pay attention and and you're not doing all of your other messages in red. So there's no difference, but uh, yeah, red has always been associated with alarms and alerts. Uh, I, you know, if you think about fire trucks, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure the source of that, but yeah, we we always have red uh, sirens at least in America. There are a lot of sirens now. They've switched more to blue and white, but you know, we also used to red, have though. the red on yeah. top of the black and white cop cars and right, that kind right, of thing. Right, right, But there's also uh, sometimes there's a uh, certain shades of red and with certain textures of say fabric uh, are luxurious. I'm thinking of the red carpet. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, think of, I don't know, I'm going to guess anything David Lynch ever did. He's got red velvet drapes in it. Or or, or burgundy very often too. Yeah. So uh, I think it's, it's also used for luxury. If you think of rubies, if you think of the red carpet, if you think of, pl- I mean, if you say like plush velvet, most people are going to think red or black. Now in China, um, the cardinal direction south and the color red are both associated with good luck, specifically wealth which is why in people who follow the feng shui, you're supposed to paint your southern wall red. Is that just China? Am I, am I, wrong? Am I wrong that people wear red to weddings in the subcontinent as well? Yeah, uh, very often you'll find uh, brides will be wearing red on their wedding day. And yet in South Africa, it's the color of death and mourning. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Yeah, that's, it's interesting that in certain places it can be the best color to see and in others it can be the worst color. Right, you yeah, know? exactly. So, I mean, I will say uh, we are going to be Americentric on this podcast because most of the folks listening to it are in the U.S. and Canada, but certainly you always need to know your audience. When mm. we're talking about these colors and as you're thinking about using them in your digital signage designs, you have to know your audience and... Pay attention if you're publishing to different offices around the world that you don't just create one, shall we say, bright red message 
and right. send it off to different cultures, not knowing. Happy birthday. And people in the Johannesburg office are like, oh, what happened? Right. You always need to be sensitive to the cultural differences you might find. So just, you know, it, the great news is we all have Google and there are articles galore that tell you different colors and what they mean in different places. And right. if you have employees in those places, ask them. It may not be a big deal. Someone and, and you might be surprised sometimes too. Like I know we're talking about color, but like when it comes to numbers in China, four is the number of death. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, so moving on up, when we uh, mix red with yellow, we get orange. Now, I always think of orange as a kind of a, a stimulating color. Yeah, it's it actually, I mean, it can't because, I mean, I think the first thing we all think of when you say orange is an orange. So it's or a pumpkin. I think of pumpkins and then oh, I that's think of true. pumpkin pie and then I get hungry. That's actually two great examples because an orange, if you think of in, in going to a different sense in the flavors, an orange is citrus and bright and sweet. Mm. And then a pumpkin is like earthy, earthy. and umami. So yeah. kind of the same thing for those colors. It's often used to symbolize change, mm-hmm. uh, like the leaves changing in autumn. Um, it does grab attention. Like you said, it's, it's quite bright, um, but it's not as strong as red. Red without as strong of emotional connotations, and mm-hmm. it doesn't grab the eye quite as quickly. Now, again, mm-hmm. this all depends on your hues and shades. You know? Right. So then uh, we go to the next primary color, which is yellow. I think people usually think happiness and sunshine and daffodils and smiley faces. I mean, the smiley face emoji is yellow. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, again, I think, you know, I always think of lemons if you say yellow, but this has, yellow's got a huge range. You Mm. know, if you think about it, the smiley face that, the original smiley face design that we all grew up with, Mm. you know, like that's actually kind of a a darker yellow. So pastels are going to be neutral and calming. Darker shades are going to give like an antique feeling. You know, sepia is kind of between, it's like a tannish yellow, but if you mm-hmm. yellow your images, it can make them look older or antique Oh, that makes sense because that's what happens to physical photographs uh, over time is they, they yellow. Yeah, and paper. I've, mm-hmm. I've, we've done that. We've actually mocked up just uh, take regular paper and then age it. Mm-hmm. by using uh, some food coloring and things if you mm-hmm. want to like take a picture of something to make it look like an old scroll. So you can do that kind of thing. Sure, sure. All right, so now we move on a little further along the spectrum. We get to green, which is, I know we talked a little bit about it. It really depends on the shade uh, that you're using. I mean, uh, you can have, uh, obviously people think of plants, they think of grass, they think of growth, but then they also think of money, but then money can also make you think of envy and jealousy and all this kind of grr, grr, grr stuff. Exactly, and I, I tend to like, there's a very modern, like mossy, or pastel greens, they're much more calming. Uh, Again, it's about how you treat them and what other colors you pair them with is important. And something to note as we're talking about this is that Pantone has a color of the year every Mm -hmm. year. And Mm -hmm. you can look at that. And they also offer a ton of swatch combinations to let you know this is going to look good alongside a turquoise or a plum or whatever. So they actually do a lot of recommending of color combinations that you can use. And then we get to blue. Uh, I think a lot of people, when asked what their favorite color is, they say blue. And it's funny for for organizations, it's like the most popular color used in logos. Like over 50% of logos use blue. And if it's not in the logo, it's probably in your brand identity colors. If you're pairing something, like you Mm -hmm. see a lot of blue being a second color if it's not the primary well that makes sense because you can use it i mean it's right in the middle of the spectrum so you can you know pair it with yellow to make green you can pair it with red to make uh, purple or violet 
Uh, so I guess that, that makes sense. Well, what's funny to me is I'm sure this isn't true. And yet I would say for some reason, I believe there are more shades of blue than any, you know, like there are more options for blue than any other color, which isn't true. Every, every color ha- you can tint and shade just the same way, but sure. we, we see so much more blue that we think there are more blues than there are reds. Well, I, I think there are a lot more words for different shades of blue that are more commonly known, maybe. I don't know if I'm just saying that. I don't even know if it's true. But, you know, I think azure. I think turquoise. I think cobalt. I think navy blue. I think sea blue. Was it cerulean blue or something has shown up in literature like crazy the last few years? Cyan is a type of blue. You know, like I, I I think everybody over the age of 12 knows all those words, but I don't know how many people really know what mauve is or really know what uh, certain other shades are. Well, I think it's it makes sense because it's been described more often. All of the water and the sky on earth mm. are usually described in some terms of blue. So mm-hmm. all of your literature and conversations and even just pictures, you know, that people talk about uh, or their travels, they talk about blues. In terms of the logos, I will say a lot of it's because blue is looked at as presenting intelligence or trustworthiness or stability. Now, I would love to know the origin of which came first. Did did people create logos in blue because it they looked at it as stable and trustworthy, oh. or because we have over for fifty percent of our logos in blue, we consider it <laughs> so stable. So now and we think it's stable, right? That makes sense. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, know. who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then we get to purple. Uh, very often associated with wealth and luxury. Um, indigo, the coloring was uh, more expensive than gold way back when in the ancient world. Uh, it was uh, tightly controlled by, I'm going to say the Phoenicians, but don't quote me on that. And uh, in fact, you mentioned Pantone has a color of the year every year. This year, 2022, the color is very peri, which is a kind of a an authoritative kind of periwinkle with sort of a, they say, a violet red undertone to it. That's the color of the year. Yeah, it's an awesome color. Yeah. It's like taking purple, but taking the bite out of it mm-hmm. so that it's calm and stable. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, you know, someone who's not a designer will be like, I have no idea what you mean by that. But go look at it. Go look it up. It's called Very Peri, P-E-R-I, and it's Pantone 17 dash thirty nine thirty eight. I also think that purple is very often associated with kind of like age and wisdom. Like, you know, you think the cliche old sorcerer, the court magician or the sorcerer with the pointy hat and the long white beard and, you know, stars and moons all over his robe. Very often depicted as purple. And of course, purple bleeds into a higher frequency, ultraviolet, and a lot of people, especially again, black light, black light, exactly. They associate it with uh, nightclubs, dancing, uh, trans music, house music. The opposite of age and wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. So, so you know what, everything we're saying about what these colors quote unquote mean, just throw it out. It's all garbage. No, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. Again, we're looking at the macro level, right? You know, we're looking at a macro level, an Americentric level here. But Mm. um, one thing to keep in mind is that light purples start to feel in the same areas as pink, Mm -hmm. especially for Americans. They can be seen as somewhat feminine. So when you're designing, just keep those kind of things in mind. Right. Though I would like to point out that this idea that pink is a girl's color and blue is a boy's color is actually something like only a hundred years old. And it's also like so out of date now. Like forget it. This is no longer the case. You don't have to do yellow for your baby if you don't know the sex. They can, girls can wear blue, boys can wear pink. They do it all the time. Boys can play with dolls. 
Exactly. So again, that's knowing your audience. If you've got a younger audience, a lot of this is yeah, not, they're not gonna they're not gonna make those associations. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this is is gonna be new science being done, I guarantee. They're mm-hmm. constantly looking. Color psychology is being updated all of the time. So again, knowing that audience, as as we talked about purple being associated with like black lights and raves and dance clubs. Right. That's the younger thing, whereas uh someone in their sixties might be like, Oh, I think a crown royal and that dark purple velvet bag. Right. You know? yeah. And so it's luxury. Crown royal classy. Whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, just keep in mind that just because you have particular associations, don't assume that everyone in your audience has those same associations. That is very wise. Oh, uh, because I'm wearing purple. What about brown? People go, oh, brown, it's mud and dirt and you know what else. And, uh, but is- also chocolate. Exactly. <laughs> it's chocolate too. It's weird. Earth tones as a group make these comebacks and then they just slide down and nobody wants to see them and everybody's into new colors. Back down to the ground where they belong. Right. And then they make a comeback. I mean, again, I'm thrown back to the seventies. We all, you know, had like the, it was a kind of a dusky chocolatey Brown. Well, there was, I remember seeing this pattern everywhere. There were t-shirts and everything on vans. Oh gosh. Where it was like cream and then orange and then earth tone. It was like a rainbow, but made out of earth tones and oranges. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Browns and neutrals are, are great. They're often used as a, base and then you pair it with something else like a brighter hue of red or blue Mm -hmm. or something Mm. if you have a bunch of bright primary colors or whatever it can look very circusy you know so most Mm. especially organizational brands you're going to usually have some neutrals in there to offset those right and the traditional wisdom at least when when i was a youngin uh is that you create browns by combining opposites on the color wheel so purple and yellow combined together become brown. Red and green become a different kind of a brown. Very Blue cool. and orange becomes another brown. Yeah, and in this category of earth tones that we're talking about, don't forget neutrals as well. Like people don't think of like a very, very pale ecru or a tan. That's a that's a brown. It's huh. just really, 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 really light brown. Hmm, that's so true. you'll see a lot of those. And when you're talking about neutrals, of course, people think gray. Gray is a mixture of black and white. Obviously, in the world of light, white is all the colors blended together. And black, there is no black. Black is the absence of light and thus the ability to see. But when we're dealing with black as a color, it's usually, in the physical world, a really, really dark purple or green or blue. But... On computers and digital signs, it really is black. I mean, isn't the hex code like zero, 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 zero or something like that? Yes, it is. And actually, I was thinking about what you said there. I I feel like it's almost opposite when it comes to designing, at least digitally. um, Black is sort of all colors. Because if you think about like designing, you start with a white canvas and so you don't put anything on it. So it's actually the absence of doing anything and black you have to add. Right. If I took a bunch of different colors of paint and mixed them all together, I would get black. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to black and white and gray, we're not going to get into all those meanings. They have very strong connotations in different places. I think we've joked about, you know, in America, the black hat is the bad guy. The guy in white is the good guy and is exactly opposite 
and certainly in Hong Kong and a good deal of Asia, uh, the good guy in the the movies wears black and the bad guy wears white. Right. So so know your audience again. Um, and don't forget about the grays. Just like those neutral colors, they're a great base. And you can do a lot of shades of gray. Most of the programs you're using are going to have, you know, 10% grades of gray. And they pair really well with brighter colors. Mm. Um, so those are greats for, for bases. And black and white, you know, contrast is huge. It's as clean and easy to read as you can possibly get. Yeah. And I think sometimes people forget and try to do too much. So it's like everything has to be a color. Sometimes having, if you have a screen design that's full screen with half the screen black with white text and the other white with black text, Mm. it can be very visually stunning. It can be very arresting. It can grab attention. And again, it's all about variety. Mm. You know, we're talking about digital signs here. So we're not saying, oh, I've gone in for, you know, red is a good color or my audience really likes blue. So everything's going to be in that color. You need to mix it all up. And sometimes you need to pull the color back or just use it as a spot color because that can really help draw the eye to something you're trying to get across like a QR tag or a call to action of some sort. Put that in the color, leave the rest of it sure, sure, neutral. Sure. So when we're talking about using uh, colors in digital signs, uh, obviously branding is a, a key, key factor. Uh, very often organizations want to use either their brand colors or the colors that are in their uh, brand scheme or ones that certainly don't clash with those colors. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that a lot of brands have like two colors that are approved colors. So, right. And if you think of that, they'll have two colors, and then obviously black and white are on the table, grays are on the table. Usually they're not going to mind using that. But if you're a designer and you do work for somebody who's only got, you know, one or two colors that are approved, you know, check with your marketing department and ask them, you know, maybe they're like, we don't care, you know, if you use other things. But if they do, ask them to come up with an extended color palette for you. Um, right. How far? How far from this shade in either direction can I can I deviate? Right. I mean, right now uh, the Visix brand has five primary colors plus black, white, and an eighty percent gray. Like we start mm-hmm. there, but we're not super strict. You can of course go outside that. Mm. Now that's for branded materials. We don't use our branding colors for every message we put on our digital signs. There's no reason to. Right. We just have some basic guidelines that people follow, but really it's about good design. And what we do try to do is sort of color code our messages. Yeah, yeah. I always think that's a great idea. Like you said, red for alerts is an, it seems like a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you used red for HR announcements, that'd be weird. And we did. It a, would be. It would we be did. Weird. A, um, I think it was a blog article about color coding messages uh-huh. uh, that you can look at for a little bit more guidance here. But yeah, don't think about gray for food. You know, like, <laughs> right. it, you know, what I mean, I'm just like kind of put those things together. If you have like dull gray, like there's no good gray food in the world. So don't use like a gray color to advertise your food court. <laughs> um, you know, go back to the McDonald's thing of right. red and yellow or something. But, you know, really just make sure your color choices make sense for the content within that context. And as always in design, form always follows function. So true. Now, what about uh, people who are visually impaired or uh, colorblind to some extent? We actually have an article on that, Designing for the Colorblind, where you can get some tips for the best and worst color combinations. It really comes down to that, color combinations and understanding. Colorblind doesn't mean that people just don't see any colors. Right. They're not, they're not dogs. Right. There's usually, as I understand, there's like red color blindness, green color blindness. Right. 
red-green colorblindness. Uh, yeah, if you have people in your organization or in your target audience who do have a particular kind of colorblindness, or who might, if your audience is the general public, then just keep that stuff in mind. So, for example, having green text on a red background or vice versa for Christmas maybe isn't a great idea, actually. Yeah, that's true. And obviously, vision impaired people. I mean, this comes, a lot of this can have to do with font size and text uses, but you know, colors matter too. That really comes down to contrast. Don't put a dark color on top of a dark, like dark purple text on Mm -hmm. dark red background. Like, that's basic contrast. If you're going to choose colors, make sure you choose the right shade or tint or, or hue that you're using as well. I mean, the fact is that you are creating a visual language that you're using to communicate certain things to your audience. I mean, the general public is the general public, and, and uh, you'll never be able to predict uh, 100% who's going to be looking at your screens. But for internal employees, you can know who they are. And so the fact is you can you can look on the web and find out, you know, oh, uh, green means wealth. No, purple means wealth. No, orange means stability. No, it means adventure. All Any of those things are true. If you train your audience to make those associations, you know what I mean? Like you could have red for your HR announcements and green for your alerts. Yeah, none of this is written in stone. And especially if those are your brand colors, you know, sometimes you've got like headquarters uses one color scheme and branches or divisions have other color schemes. Mm. So you could color code that way. So none of this is universal. We're not, yeah, we're not saying, hey, every time you throw a pastel pink thing up there, someone's going to get offended because it's feminine. Uh, Or (laughs) you should always, yeah, having a bright red, people are going to start screaming and running for the exits. That's not true. Uh, Like we always say, know your audience, but this is just the slightest dipping of the toe into color theory. It is a vast and rich, I don't want to say science, psychology is the science, which is also vast and rich. Discipline. But yes, theory is a vast, rich discipline for designers. People go and get degrees in this. Mm -hmm. It is not something you can get in a 15-minute podcast, but we just wanted to give a very brief primer of what do different colors mean? That's really what this is about, our color theory. or, Or more specifically, the consideration of color should be part of your design scheme and your design thinking. Oh yeah, always. I mean, we've got our design primer guides you can download, which that don't have these specific color associations in there, but they certainly go into color and contrast and good design principles. As we say in every podcast, know your audience, know the context and know the culture. And, mm. and you know, culture can be everything from within your walls, within certain teams, but really you need to talk about backgrounds and cultures of your audience, where they grew up, where they're living now, mm. and things that might affect their design responses. First and foremost, the primary thing to think about, especially when it comes to digital signs, is legibility and readability. That means what font you're using, whether you're using the 3 by 5 rule, high contrast between the letters in the background. All of those things are true regardless of what colors you're using or even if you're just using black and white. If they can't see it from 20 feet away, then they're not going to look. If it's hard to read, no one's going to bother to look at your digital signs. So you've just wasted time and money. Yes, that's exactly right. As we uh, intimated, this is a massive topic and there are no uh, 100% sure answers. This is not just a plug and play type of a thing, but it is certainly something to keep in mind, especially for more seasoned 
designers or people who have uh, a bit more time on their hands and want to learn more. Again, check the transcript on the Visix website of this episode for lots of links to outside sources and some links to other things that have been written and talked about for Visix. I'd like to thank my guest today, Debbie DeWitt, Marketing and Communications Manager for Visix. Thanks, Deb. Thank you, Derek. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. Hey, want more free stuff? Then head to the resources section of physics.com for free masterclass guides, blogs, videos, and more to help you with your digital signs. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review of this episode and connect with us on social media.